name is Esther Burke. I'm the author of Living Without Fear and I'm a book writing expert. I help you overcome your fears in life and writing your book. I offer a course called Believe You Can Write and I support you with one-on-one -on -one coaching. Get in touch with me if you need help or order my book, my biography and self-help book, Living Without Fear. And please share this podcast with a friend who you know needs to hear this episode. And why not giving this podcast a five-star review so that many more people will find this episode. And today, I'm so excited to have Lynn Sorrentina from Switzerland with me. Lynn is one of the 31 authors of the Amazon bestseller Inspired Journeys, where she tells her story about overcoming breast cancer. She is passionate about marine plastic pollution prevention, coastal flooding, ma marine social science, and holds a position at the International Union for the Conservation of Nature on the Global Marine and Polar Team. Her passion for the ocean began as a child in California, where she was inspired to become a scuba diver. Lynn has traveled to 50 countries, spent over a decade living on a boat, and find travel to be the best form of education. Welcome, dear Lynn. Thank you so much, Esther, and thank you for the invitation to speak on your podcast. I'm super excited to share my story tonight. Yes, let's talk about your story, breast cancer story. Yeah, thanks. It's, um, it's nice that we're doing this podcast now because it's been three years and three weeks since I was originally diagnosed, so October 4th of 2019. And um, I think the last three years have been, of course, odd for almost everybody on this planet <laughs> with the, the COVID situation. But for me, it was started at this point where I knew there was something wrong because I had been doing self-checks for years, but I was ignoring my, my sense that, oh, yeah, that lump is probably just a cyst. And in late September of 2019, I finally did go at the insistence of a couple of friends to the doctor and to get checked. So the story that I have in the book, which is called A Year Without a Moon, is a, an overview of what it was like to live through this and to go into a pandemic six years after six years, sorry, six months after being treated for all of this. And so basically what happened is I had the diagnosis from a doctor in Geneva. Um, he was quite the character in a lot of ways and ended up not being my oncologist at the end. I ended up going to a, a different hospital and a different doctor who if anybody needs an oncologist, I can highly recommend all of them at the team at the Grangette Hospital in Geneva. They're fantastic. Um, but anyway, he came out of his office to greet me on October 4th of 2019. And he basically said, well, I have bad news. The biopsy that you had came back and it is 
breast cancer. And he, um, he was such a, he was a nice doctor and he was quite, um, like I said, a character. He had, you know, big gray hair and was definitely very much of a sort of father figure. And he felt so bad because I burst into tears at this moment and he hugged me and we talked about it a little bit and he gave me some advice and some different contacts. And again, set me up with the oncology team at Grangette. And on that day, I started this journey and basically it was a lot of pushing my own boundaries of fear and understanding what it meant to have breast cancer and what type of breast cancer it was and what the treatments were going to be and all of that. So it was a really big shock in the beginning. Mm. Do you um, remember your first thoughts about the situation? I do. So the, the first thoughts that went through my head were mostly negative because I think being an environmentalist and being um, a person who's seen sort of the decline of biodiversity, for example, in our planet, I think almost always my initial thoughts of any topic tend to be on the negative side of, okay, this is really bad. And then I have to switch it around and figure out, you know, solutions and stuff. So my initial thoughts were that I was afraid and and that my one of my closest friends who had died on August 12th of 2019, she died from breast cancer um, after years of being free from breast cancer. So my first thought was, okay, well, this is not good. And I need to have the same strength that my friend Julie had to get through this. And my first thoughts were, also, I wonder how this is gonna happen because I just started a job. And it was not, at the time I was not working with IUCN, I was working for um, one of the universities in Switzerland and it was quite a complicated job and it was quite a complicated team. So my first thoughts were, okay, I'm really afraid. I don't know what this means. I need to know more about what's happening inside my body. And then my second thoughts were, maybe this is an okay thing because if I have to go on sick leave, now's a good time because the work situation was complicated. So I think that kind of sums up my, my first round mm. of, of thoughts. And also, I think my fear of who in my family am I going to have to tell and who in my friends am I going to have to tell and how do I ask for help? So those were three sets of things that were kind of running through my brain that first few days. Mm. What's the question about how do I ask for help well um so i had in 2018 gone away for school from switzerland and come back and was living on my own and just had myself and my cat and asking for help from family was complicated because i'm an american living in switzerland and so all mm. of my family is in the united states and obviously asking for help meant leaning on my friends that were here. And I have very, very good friends who helped me through all of this. And so many of them did, you know, so much in terms of being with me for each of my chemo treatments to, to 
being with me for the discussions with the oncologist to being with me um, for things like, you know, the surgery and the post-surgery follow-up, the radiation treatments, et cetera, bringing me food, helping me to kind of make some goals during the six months I was being treated so that I wasn't going to lose sort of sight of the fact that I needed to still get up and get going and do things. Even if I was sleeping 16 hours a day, my friends and my family from a distance really helped. Um, it was hard to tell them that I had cancer, um, partly because so many of my friends knew Julie and it was so, so sudden that she'd passed that we, um, you know, I think we were all still reeling from that. And in my family, a number of people have passed from cancer, including my mother. And so talking to family members, especially my brother was quite hard to explain, okay, this is what's going on. I have a good prognosis. It's a big lump, but they're convinced to you know that it's going to be fine. So asking for help really meant reaching out to people and saying, okay, I'm going to need help with a lot of things probably because I just don't know what's going to happen. And um, again, being, being alone in a foreign country with great healthcare, granted, it's still scary. And what helped you from day to day to just go on, <clears throat> be strong? Um, really, since it was moving into the winter period and it was quite dark quite early here, um, I wasn't able to be outside as much, especially with having, um, during the treatments, um, having no immune system, I didn't really want to be outside and, and catch a cold or something worse. Um, so what helped me really was during the day when it was nice enough that I could go outside and walk and spending time with friends that, you know, had some time to come visit, or if I could go to see them, or if we could go somewhere mutually, you know, in between our places, um, several friends just being there and hanging out, having dinner, you know, even eating when I wasn't too excited about eating um, really meant so much to me in terms of being able to get through things. And honestly, using WhatsApp and being able to use that and other forms of communication, Facebook, et cetera, to, to share my story with my friends and family um, in a way that I, I knew was, you know, beneficial for me to be able to get back some feedback from them and some help from them in terms of just emotional support. Um, I imagine you have been working hard before and so and suddenly you have to listen to yourself to your body how was that well um I do think at one point in the book in the story that I wrote I do think I realized that the work that I was doing was extraordinarily stressful and that stress is one of the causes I think of your body getting sick. And when I initially started all of my treatments, one of the things that I did was participate with the English Speaking Cancer Association's services here in Geneva. And they were amazing because they offered me counseling, 
and other support from the peer counselors um, and the different groups that they have to learn to listen to your body and to learn to listen to yourself. And my counselor, at the time she said to me, your only job right now is to get better, is to pay attention to your body and to get well and to focus on you and don't focus on anything else. Don't worry about work. Don't worry about anything. And we are very fortunate in Switzerland to have the ability to be on sick leave and not lose your job per se. Although, you know, certainly at the end of my contract in February, right, as I was finishing chemo, my contract was um, not renewed, which was fine because like I said, it was a very stressful, um, difficult job. But I think spending that time really listening to my body and focusing on my own strength of, okay, I'm, I need to drink, you know, a ton of herbal tea each day. I need to have water and I need to flush the, the chemo out of my system so that it, you know, doesn't build up into my kidneys and things like that. There was a lot of stuff, like I had a booklet that I kept with me of all my medical tests and all the results and all the questions I had for the doctor. And we worked on it every time I went to see him, which was pretty much every three weeks, I think. Um, and yeah, it was just a matter of focusing on all of that as my job at that time was my health and only focusing on that and not worrying about the rest of, of the world or, you know, other people's challenges or anything like that. And I had to, unfortunately, I had to also just kind of block a lot of people out and just be very, very much protective of my own boundaries because I needed my energy to work on my health and my, my mental health as well as my physical health. Was that difficult just to block other people's out? It was because several of my friends and family, um, they did want to help, but their form of helping was a little too, um, just too heavy for me to deal with. I had to kind of have a set of people that I could manage. Um, and in the end, I didn't tell most of my family until I knew I was going to be fine until literally after my surgery in April. Um, and a lot of that is because, you know, coming from a, a large Italian American family, everybody wants to help. Everybody wants to be there. Everybody wants to call you all the time. And it's like, no, 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 I'm sleeping 16 hours a day. I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> so it was difficult. And it was difficult even here to have to say to some friends, I can't right now. I just can't. I need my own space and time to sleep and, and just get better. Did you discover another limb, a new limb during this time? I did. And it's something I talk about, I think, a little bit in my story is I used to care a lot more about what other people, you know, would think about things or, you know, I used to be very much focused on pleasing others and you know whether that manifested as you know overwork or whatever I mean even though I am working a little bit today it's it's a very finite amount so I don't do this all the time anymore but I, I did discover that what's important for me is being able to be outside to to exercise to meet people and you know just enjoy life a little bit more 
even though I still have, you know, some challenges to take care of in terms of health um, and being careful with the pandemic, I think the new person in me is that I really am still focused on doing a good job in my work and maintaining my relationships, but I don't really care anymore about, you know, if people perceive something about me that may not be true, you know, it used to bother me if people were judgmental of me. And now it's like, you know what, I've gone through so much of the whole cancer thing and then finishing chemo the day before we went into the first lockdown for COVID, it just reemphasized to me that in this time, I've just become not necessarily stronger, but I've just become a person that can rely on myself now better for my different, you know, emotional and mental needs for things. Mm, beautiful. And did your bucket list change since then? <laughs> um you know I think I think since like I said since the the COVID pandemic began the day after I finished chemo I don't I think my bucket list of things that I've wanted to do and places I've wanted to see hasn't changed a lot but clearly I think now a lot of what I want to do is more focused on being places that are nourish nourishing and nurturing um you know seeing family um spending time in the forest um i have had to travel quite a lot for my job with the ocean team um at iucn recently um so that's been a little bit interesting because i have been able to check off a few more countries but i think my overall bucket list of stuff that I've wanted to accomplish is still kind of the same. I think it, it it's been modified, like I said, by the COVID pandemic more than anything. I think if this hadn't happened, then certainly my last two years would have been different. Hmm. And did you develop another ritual daily life? Um, Yes, there were quite a few things that changed after um, after the chemo and after the surgery and after the radiation. Um, and because I had to I have to take drugs now for the next several years as part of my overall cancer treatment plan, some of the things that changed were my diet. So um, sadly, um, <laughs> things like, caffeinated coffee had to go for a couple of years. I've just started recently getting back to that. And it's weird because it affects the way the drugs interact in your body and gives you hot flashes because after chemo, you end up with, you know, chemically induced menopause, which I'm already 53. So it's already at that time anyway, but there are weird things like, okay, I can't have too much coffee because if I have too much coffee, I have these hot flashes because of the tamoxifen. So, so there's my, my daily rituals of wanting to have two cups of coffee have changed and my my daily ritual of walking has been something that has really been a benefit um even if it is well maybe if it's not really bad outside for the most part if even if it's raining or something I try to get outside for a walk whereas before especially in previous jobs if I was working I was definitely working and not exercising as much so my daily rituals of of taking care of myself have changed over the last few years. Um, 
And I think also I'm grateful that that where I'm living now, for example, I'm able to walk and be outside and, and see the moon every day. I mean, this is the whole point of my story was that where I was living, I was very disconnected from nature in, in this apartment high up in a, you know, in a very large building in Geneva. Um, I moved and my, my daily life now is generally much calmer and quieter and I'm able to get outside for a walk and see the moon on a more regular basis and be much more connected to nature now. And how was it linked to write down your story for, for the book Inspired Journeys? It was quite hard because, you know, there's so much backstory that, that I felt like I needed to tell you know, about going back to school at an advanced age and starting a job that turned out to be just heinously chaotic and then getting sick and then finding a new job, doing exactly what I love to do and with people that I really love working with. Um, it's, it was a, it was cathartic in some ways, but But also it was hard because there were things I wanted to put in there that I thought, okay, I'm not sure if this is going to make it relatable for people or not. Um, in the end, I'm pretty happy with it in terms of what I've shared. And I'm absolutely open to people reaching out to me if they want, you know, more perspective or, you know, advice on things. I've had a few people reach out to me in general about, um, things like the types of drugs that you have to take afterwards or how the surgery was or, and there were some parts of this whole experience that even though I had other people that I knew had gone through breast cancer, there were parts of this experience that were different for me, that things that they did in, you know, the, in the hospitals and stuff. And honestly, had I known some of the things I would have been completely freaked out a lot more, but, but, but moving through this meant just, okay, we just go with it and here's what they're doing and here's why they're doing it. And it's kind of scary, but it's, you know, it's part of that overall story. And I feel like for me to have relied on my friends and my family so much and to come through it, to have now for the last two and a half years, a really great new job, um, I'm hoping that what people read in the story will be a sense of optimism, a sense like a message of hope overall that yes, it's crappy. And honestly, it was crappy, but, and I know that not everybody makes it through this. I mean, clearly, um, but I think if you focus again on your internal, like, things of like okay what am I really afraid of and there were two points in the story and in that I think I've mentioned and and two points during the the time that I was being treated where I did think hmm that doesn't feel right you know my heart doesn't feel right there's something happening here and I immediately just went to the hospital because I thought okay something's going on and it was just wonkiness related to the whole thing there was nothing serious wrong but but it was a fear of okay, what if all this stuff that's happening is doing something weird to my heart? And so I think writing down my story and reliving it 
by writing it helped clarify some things. It also helped again, clarify the fact that, you know, I am strong and that if you have to do something like this, it's super important to have, you know, a few people really close to you help you. Um, Cause you can't really do all this by yourself. I mean, honestly, I couldn't shave my head by myself. So my friend Erin had to help me shave my head and she was there throughout the whole thing. <laughs> and without people like that, who are so compassionate and so giving of their time, you know, we aren't, we aren't able, I don't think to do these things. And so I think the strength that I have also was built upon the strength of the friends that I had that were helping mm. and the family. Mm, beautiful. And if you had to give three advice to people who are in a similar situation or another difficult situation uh, mentally or with their health, what would you say, Lynn? Hmm, I think my three pieces of advice would be to believe in yourself, mm. that you can absolutely do it. And when it seems like there's no hope that you have to become that hope for yourself or for the difficult situation. Um, and even though the first thing you're going to think is something negative, you have to turn it around and try and focus on something positive. Um, I would say those would be my first three initial thoughts, um, because I really think you have to have a positive attitude about a lot of things. I mean, this is what my surgeon and my oncologist said to me during this whole thing is that my attitude helped my healing and being, you know, that, that sort of environmentalist with the first you know, set of initially negative thoughts, I really did have to switch this into, okay, it's a speed bump in the road of my life that I will get over. And I need to focus on something positive. And so I would say focusing on positive stuff mm. and, and doing that mindfulness, focus, positive, breathe in, kind of accept that things are happening, but that you can get over them. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much, dear Lynn, for having been here and told your story and give, having given this, this advice to our listeners. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much, Esther. It was a real pleasure to be here and absolutely happy to um, reach out or have people reach out to me and, and happy to talk more about it and the experiences and stuff. And and I do wish that anybody who is ill, I wish you all really good health and lots of strength and hope. Mm. Thank you, Esther. Mm. And thank you, dear listener, for still being here with us. And thank you so much for sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear this episode about overcoming breast cancer. Have an amazing day and talk to you next week.